Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I'd like to begin this episode by turning to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, looking at verses 22 and 23, and reading about what Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. There we find, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. For the next several episodes, I would like to talk to you about the fruit of the Spirit. Notice that as Paul listed the fruit, one of the things that he did list was joy. I think that is what everyone in one way or another, is looking for, don't you? You ask someone what it is that they want, and more than likely they will say, I just want to be happy. It's joy that they are looking for. Someone else may be more specific, saying, I want this particular job, or I want to live in this particular neighborhood, or make a certain amount of money. But what they are really saying is that if I do these things, or if I have these things, then I will be happy. If you go to a bookstore today, you'll find a whole section of the psychology of self-help. And if you read the nonfiction bestseller list, there are usually one or two of those kinds of books right up there near the top. Why? Because those books presume to tell people how to find joy, and that is what people are looking for. I believe there is a book that tells us how to have joy. That book is the Bible, and it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. To have this fruit of the Spirit, joy, we must follow the directions given by the Spirit, and that is what I want to talk to you about in this episode. I want to talk about joy. The Apostle Paul gave the following exhortation in Philippians 4 and verse 4. He wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Not only does Paul tell us to have joy and to express it internally and externally, But the Holy Spirit has told us in the revealed word how to have this joy. In 1 John 1 and verse 4 we find, In these things we write so that our joy may be made complete. The things that are written have been written to enable us to have joy to life in the fullest, that in no way will our joy be incomplete. So the life of a Christian ought to be a life of joy. Now I'm not talking about city silly, kind of giddy, over-the-top fun all the time. No, I'm talking about joy, a fruit produced in us by the things of the Spirit. But too often our lives don't seem that way. Too often it seems that there is no joy shining through. But I know that for the Christian it is there, and I know that God has provided all that we need to have and to know this joy. Let's begin with Jesus. 
When Jesus was born, the angel of the Lord spoke to the shepherds who were keeping watch over their flocks by night. Look at what was said in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus was born to bring joy. After his resurrection, the joy of the disciples was so great that they could hardly believe it. Looking at Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 41, we find, And while they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? When Jesus ascended, we are told in verses 51 through 53 of that same chapter, and it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them, and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. We can and should feel this joy, just like the apostles. We too can rejoice in the birth, life, death, resurrection, and then coronation in heaven of the blessed Lord Jesus. He came to bring this joy to us. To the apostles, Jesus said in John 15:11, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. In chapter 17 and verse 13, the Lord prayed, But now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy made full in themselves. Each of us can have the joy Jesus brings. Really, one of the most basic characteristics of every Christian is joy. If we, as children of God, do not have a joyous life, then some examination is called for in order that we might have it indeed. Living as citizens in the kingdom of the Lord is living a life of joy. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. All who are Christians can have this joy of the Lord. He meant for us to have it. It is a joy that is not dependent upon physical circumstances, as we will see. First of all, joy is based upon faith. In Romans 15 and verse 13, Paul wrote, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Note from that verse that joy comes from believing. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 25, we find from the pen of Paul, And convinced of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Without faith, we can't have joy, because true joy is the joy of faith. Faith is essential to joy, because faith eliminates the problems that destroy our joy. For instance, worry destroys joy. Someone who is filled with worry cannot be a joyous person.
but faith can remove the worry. Think of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be anxious for your life as to what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body as to what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body than clothing? Jesus is plainly saying, don't worry about material things. And then he went ahead and gave some examples. Are you worried about where your next meal is coming from? In verse 26, Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Do we find ourselves worried about clothing? Verses 28 through 30 tell us, And why are you anxious about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, neither do they spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory did not clothe himself like one of these. But if God so arrays the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more do so for you, O men of little faith? Since lack of faith or little faith caused worry, we have to conclude that a solution for worry is faith. By faith, we can eliminate worry, or at least control it, and therefore not allow worry to rob us of the joy that Jesus came to bring. Think about doubt and fear. They destroy joy as well, but faith can remove both of them. When Jesus came walking on the water, the disciples were afraid. But Jesus said to them in Matthew 14, verse 27, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. But Peter wasn't satisfied, and we pick up reading in verses 28 through 31. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter was okay until doubt and fear entered in. Then he started sinking. His doubt and fear were caused by little faith. If he developed his faith, then the doubt and fear would disappear. The same is true for us. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know if it is going to be good or bad. But we do know that we don't have to be afraid, no matter what may come, because of our faith in Jesus. Fears and doubts rob us of the joy Jesus means for us to have. Faith, which comes by hearing or reading the Word of God, can eliminate those fears and doubts, and then joy, real joy, can be ours. And this just goes to show how much we need God's Word. The only way to obtain faith is from the Word. The more we read and study the Bible, the stronger our faith becomes. The stronger our faith becomes, the deeper the joy will be that we have in our lives. Something else we learn is that joy is the result of obedience. Jesus is, of course, the greatest example of obedience. We are all certainly aware of Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, where the Hebrew writer told us, and although he was a son, He learned obedience from the things which he suffered. 
and having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. My friends, joy through obedience was true for Jesus as well. Hebrews 12 and verse 2 tells us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The passage indicates that our Lord's joy was deepened through his obedience. It gave him strength to endure the cross. That is the way it is with us. When the people of the city of Samaria were obedient to the gospel, there was great joy in that city, according to Acts chapter 8 and verse 8. They obeyed. Then came the rejoicing. The Ethiopian eunuch believed that Jesus was the Son of God, and he was obedient in baptism. Verse 39 of Acts 8 tells us, And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, but went on his way rejoicing. He obeyed. Then came the joy. Zacchaeus had been a sinner, a tax collector, but enthusiastically received Jesus with faith and with an obedient heart as manifested by what he said and did. He received Jesus joyfully, according to Luke chapter 19 and verse 6. If we want to have all the joy of Jesus in our lives, then obey him. 1 John chapter 3 verses 19 through 22 tells us, We shall know this, that we are of the truth, and shall assure our heart before him in whatever our heart condemns us. For God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. In obedience, there is confidence toward God and there is joy. I simply cannot believe that a person could leave here with true joy in their heart if they have refused yet again the invitation to obey the Lord. I'm telling you, in disobedience, sin, and rebellion, there is no joy. The joy that is the fruit of the Spirit is based on forgiveness. Man is guilty of sin, and a guilty person cannot have joy. Psychiatrists know that so many of a person's emotional problems stem from guilt. So much unhappiness is caused by guilt. Paul expressed the feelings of guilt very well when he wrote in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of this death? We can't be released from guilt simply by having someone tell us, don't feel guilty anymore. It doesn't work that way. We can't have guilt removed by a non-believing psychiatrist who tries to convince us that there really is no such thing as sin and there should be no such thing as guilty feelings. The truth is there is sin, and there is guilt for sin. The way to remove the guilt is by having those sins forgiven. God, who created us, knows these needs and has provided through Jesus and his death the way of forgiveness. Joy is ours because of forgiveness, and forgiveness is ours if we are in Christ Jesus. Truly, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want us to see an example of sin guilt, forgiveness, and then joy as seen in the life of David. After his tragic sin, there was a feeling of guilt. Notice how it is expressed in Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. 
When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. Look at Psalm 51, verses 3 and 4. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, I have sinned and done what is evil in thy sight, so that thou art justified when thou dost speak, and blameless when thou dost judge. It is so easy to see David's grief because of his sin. It is easy to see the guilt with which he was afflicted. But he repented of his sin and confessed them to the Lord. Back in Psalm 32, verse 5, we find, I acknowledged my sin to thee, and my iniquity I did not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and thou didst forgive the guilt of my sin. Going back to Psalm 51, as David cried out for forgiveness, look at what he said in verses 8 through 11. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which thou hast broken rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from thy presence, and do not take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Joy follows forgiveness. We can't really have the joy of the Lord in our lives until we are forgiven of our sins. We just can't. However, thanks be to God that he has provided the way to forgiveness. Finally, the joy of the Lord, this wondrous fruit of the Spirit, is abiding. When we begin to consider joy, joy, excuse me, we should be concerned with how long it will last. When the Hebrew writer was talking about the choice that Moses had made, he spoke of the pleasures of sin and called them passing. They are going to end, always have, always will. They are here today and then gone tomorrow, and in their wake is nothing, nothing except guilt and doubt and fear. But the Christian's joy remains even when the storm clouds of life gather around him and the winds of turmoil buffet his body. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 30 and verse 5, For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may last for the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. Again in Psalm 126, verses 5 through 6, he wrote, Those who sow in tears shall reap with joyful shout. He who goes to and fro weeping, carrying his bag of seed, shall indeed come again with a shout of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Peter speaks of the joy of a Christian even in the face of real trouble. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, he wrote, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls.
As a Christian, joy is not only ours to have and embrace in this life, but the joy that is ours is eternal. In heaven, there will be the absence of everything that causes sorrow, whatever it might be. It will be a place where he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death, but there shall be no longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. That's Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. Eternal joy, eternally happy. That will be ours if we are faithful children of God. Truly, the joy of the Lord is one of the greatest blessings of the Holy Spirit and his fruit in our lives. Nehemiah told the people of Israel as they heard the law and repented of their sins, the joy of the Lord is your strength. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. And it really is. If you are a Christian, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And from so much comfort is derived from that joy, which is the peculiar possession of the Christian. Joy, a fruit of the Spirit. Thanks for listening.